Hello, this is Tom Williams. You are listening to Talk Theater in Chicago's Interview Podcast. My very special guest this week is the Tribune's chief critic, Chris Jones. Hello, Chris. Hello, Tom. How are you doing? Good. Tell us about Bigger, Brighter, Louder, 150 Years of Chicago Theater as Seen by the Tribune Critics. The book I thought was a terrific read. Well, thank you, Tom. I, it's a sort of a, it was something I wanted to do for a long time, which was sort of look at the great critical writing in Chicago, you know, since the beginnings of Chicago and middle of the 19th century. So I did, I'd wanted to do a book about Chicago critics a little bit. And I was particularly, you know, interested in Claudia Cassidy, who's probably the most famous of the Chicago critics. And I sort of decided in the end, although there's been great critics at lots of different Chicago papers, that the one I happened to work for is the only one that was there at the beginning of Chicago theater, sort of around the middle of the 19th century, and is still there now. So I thought, well, you know, I will look at our coverage of Chicago theater, our being the Chicago Tribunes, across a span of 150 years. And so I then decided I would pick out what I would describe as the 100 most interesting reviews, 101 actually we ended up with, because there's one in the introduction, of the Chicago theater by the Chicago, by Chicago Tribune critics. How did you come up with those? I wish they were. Well, it was really, really difficult. Um, And I, you know, many people have Every time somebody reads the book, they email me and say, "How could how could you possibly leave out this? How could you possibly leave out that?" And it's true that you know there could have been 501 of those because the Tribune has run theater reviews almost every day for 150 years. So you look, you just have to do the thousands, thousands of reviews. I I just sort of sat there in the archives and looked through the reviews and I looked for certain things that I knew were a great moments in Chicago theater history like the first production of Grease say or the first review of American Buffalo or the opening night of Second City so some of the reviews are of just crucially important shows but they're not but some of them are not that they're just what I think of as very very good pieces of writing of unimportant shows, for example, Claudia Cassidy's harshly negative reviews of many of the crappy touring shows that would come through Chicago. Or she really hated those, didn't she? Well, she was sort of famously acerbic and famously nasty. Uh, but you know, Claudia, you know, if you were to ask me who was the greatest critic that's ever been in Chicago, my answer would be two words: it would be Claudia Cassidy. Um, her writing is just fantastic, and I, one of the great pleasures of doing this project was just to spend time with Claudia's incredible writing. It is. Uh, it, it, it's worth the book alone to read the 33 reviews that she wrote. It's it's amazing. And, you know, her work is not well known. I mean, I think people like you know it. People in Chicago know it. Um, as I've been talking about this book in various places, I've met people who knew her and people have come up to me who knew her and remember her. Um, but her work is not well known in New York. It's not well known in London. It's not really well known outside Chicago. And I found there were some reviews that I didn't intend to include that I just found myself reading. And I thought they were so beautiful that that I I decided I had to include them. I mean, the best example of that is probably her review. Uh, she wrote a piece when she retired really all about Tennessee Williams. It's called A Theater Orpheus Looks Back. And it's just an extraordinarily beautiful, uh, extraordinarily beautiful piece of writing by her. She knew Tennessee Williams better than anybody. And she wrote, I mean, there are many books. You can go to the library. 
you find a hundred books on Tennessee Williams. Nobody I submit to you wrote about him with in the way that Claudia did. Well, she she kind of saved his career, didn't she? Yeah, with I mean, Glass Menagerie. One of her most famous reviews is of the Glass Menagerie, which came to Chicago, Pride in New York. Um, that poem, the play was doing very badly. It was at the Civic Theater, which is where. You know, it's in the same building as the Lyric Opera. It's now a rehearsal room, but at the time it was a theater. Still was a theater when I first came here. And, you know, it opened on a freezing, cold, frigid January day. The stories in Tennessee Williams' diaries of how the audience couldn't open the doors to the theater because it was so windy. Nobody came. But Claudia, along with other critics, came and really supported that play. Um, and at that point, the producers had been pressuring Tennessee Williams to change the ending. So, oh. so you know, maybe Laura would have gotten lucky with her gentleman's caller. But Claudia stopped all that and, you know, t changed Tennessee Williams' life forever. Wow. That In your book, you mentioned that she did something that I've never heard of a critic doing. She loved the place so much, she went back three straight nights to see it? Yeah. I mean, for, for the likes of me... You know, that's impossible now, as you know. Um, there's too many shows, and I, you know, I've gone back twice a few times in my life. And I see shows as, as you do, like Christmas shows, you see them, they come around. So you, there are things you see more than once. But in the 40s, a lot of critics would literally go back several times. Um, there was less theater in Chicago, for starters. And secondly, they just did that more. Um, also, you know, there's examples where Claudia didn't stay for the whole show, which yeah, I always... she mentioned that. Yeah. yeah, she walks out on a couple of shows, <laughs> which I think if, if I had tried that, the people would, there would be hell to pay, but she got away with it. She was Claudia Cassidy. In today's in, in today's world, uh, I, I think it would be totally unethical for a critic to yeah. wait before a show's over. Yeah. But, um, I mean, she always said that she left, but left she did on a number of occasions. Wow, because we've all been to shows that... Uh, well, you wanted to leave, right? Well, or and we've been to shows that we didn't like, and all of a sudden there was that aha moment in the second or the third oh, well, act that, that yeah, made the yeah, whole thing worthwhile. Whole, right, yeah. right, right. And if we weren't there, we would have we would have. That's panned. true, that's yeah. true. So, wow. That, uh, tell us about the Iroquois fire, the, the coverage of, of that, because that's... Well, the Iroquois theater fire was perhaps the darkest day in Chicago theater history, um... 600 people died, mostly in the balcony, audience members, after this terrible fire of a theater that was now where the Oriental is now. Um, you know, and I, in my book, I see it really as a, a sort of a symbol of a city that had just grown too fast. The, the theater had shoddy fire codes. It had no exit door illumination. There's actually a show now, Burning Bluebeard, which gets into some of this same stuff. Um, and, you know, was our coverage of the, of the, I mean, if I were to criticize our coverage of the fire, it would be this, is that a lot of our coverage focused on the actors because they were showbiz people and therefore interesting chorus girls climbing out into the alley through a stair. Yeah, you, there's a number of those stories. Right. Yeah. But, you know, really, most of the actors got out, almost all of them. The only, the people that didn't were the ordinary Chicagoans in the balcony. And, you know, did we pay enough attention to them? Probably not. But it was still a fascinating figure. And the Tribune, the Tribune that day, um, managed to find they, they, the entire newsroom dropped what it was doing the day of the fire as a matinee. And they located the names and uh, the names of everybody who died. 
sort of somewhat similar perhaps to what the New York Times did after 9-11 but that of course this of course was you know in a very different era in 1903 yeah. and then how that did was they a, do that you know that I don't fully know I know that it was regarded as a great feat of reporting and wow. one of the great moments in the paper's history they also led the the attacks that make made sure people paid for that and that the building codes were Correct. were that's right now more stringent. That's right. Well, that that's that was that alone was was a fascinating section. Uh, but let's go back to Claudia Cassidy a little bit. Yeah. Uh, she kept pushing really hard for to have Chicago theater be independent of New she York. Did. I mean, I think that was one of her great legacies was to that Chicago should have its own theater, that it should not be reliant on shoddy tours, second companies, third companies coming out in New York. And, and really, what's striking about some of her stuff is that a lot of it, this manifesto of a, a theater of our own, to use the title of Richard Christensen's book, um, really originated with Claudia that she, she was the first critic here to really advocate for a sort of, I don't know, homegrown Chicago theatre. Now, the the other side of that advocacy, though, is that um, the theatre that Chicago came up with was not necessarily what Claudia had in mind. I don't think when she advocated for a, a you know, great Chicago theatre, she wasn't thinking of David Mamet or Steppenwolf in a Basement. She was thinking of sort of Laurence Olivier, the auditorium. That was her mindset. She was not, if, if I were to, if you were to ask me what her weakness was as a critic, was that she did not spend a lot of time in dank, in dank basements in the way that, say, Richard Christensen, who followed her in the paper, did. And I, it, she also it seems to me wasn't aware even even though she was aging that there were emerging companies that if she had sticked around longer you know the Steppenwolves the right. Goodman that's all Chicago true. Shakespeare would have been she would have championed them I, I believe that's true um, I think that she you know that she just didn't anticipate the growth that would come and who could right nobody really knew what was going to happen but it you know she nonetheless she set she she argued for quality here and that made convince people in Chicago that they should they should only support world class theater, and that made I think enormous difference. Yeah, and you covered in the books uh, some of her attacks and some of the people that attacked her back. Uh, but I, what I loved was that uh, she just would not put up with second rate tours. No, she just she, attacked them. That's correct, and she and she went to New York as I do, to, and she'd see the first company as I do, and then she would compare them to the second rate company she was seeing, and that you know that irritated people like the Schubert's in New York enormously because they, she spoiled their business here. Well, didn't they stop? Didn't they either schedule to go all around the Midwest before they hit Chicago or they would they would stop and rehearse again for a couple That's of days right. before I mean, they, they hit Chicago? They didn't like to play other Midwestern cities after Chicago because everybody would have read Claudia's review. So therefore, if you were in Cleveland, you probably read the Cassidy review of the tour of whatever and you might not go and so right so they tried to avoid that I mean yeah she was uh, I mean some of her reviews are caustic to the point of you know they're hilariously good fun to read of course oh yeah what's the, what's the, there's one I have here that we're, was an opera review where they said how bad could opera be when the right. audience boos and wants to walk out exactly, exactly. <laughs> I mean imagine if you and I wrote something like that I mean my god we, they'd run us out of town they well you know sensibilities are more delicate now too yeah, that that's true. 
and but her power was absolutely amazing. Yeah, I mean the thing she she famously would say, you know, and this is still true. The only power a critic has, really, when it comes down to it, the only power we have is trust. In other words, if if we have enough readers who trust us, then that gives us power because they will act on whether we like a show or not, and that is. That was Claudia's great trump card. That she had a legion of followers who, if she liked something, would show up, and if she didn't, would stay away. And that people began to see that correlation. I don't think anyone today has that power. No, I know I don't. I think you personally, though, uh, have certain powers since you represent the largest outlet. Well, I think that's true. That, that you know, a three right. and a half or four star review from you helps, but it, it sells out these small theaters. Uh, which yeah. is to your credit. Thank you. I think that I, I think there's some of that still, but not on the level of Claudia. Yeah. Well, she was was she in her era? Do you think the most powerful critic in the country? She certainly was the most powerful critic outside New York. There's no question about that. Um, you know, she was never in New York. She's not a Broadway critic, um, and so I would say you've got to bear that in mind. But there's no question she was the most powerful critic outside New York. Well, the second person that you talk about in your book that, that you cover, uh, who I have a little bit of familiarity with is Richard Christensen, right. who in my view I grew up reading him and and I, I did what other people did with Claudia Cassidy right. if Richard Christensen was was nurturing about a show or, or recommended a show, I never missed it. Well he was a different, you know it's the, the, the book is really to some degree the story of Chicago criticism is very much about those two individuals because Christensen like Cassidy held the job for a number of for decades so his influence was enormous too um, what was different about him from Cassidy is a couple of interesting things. One is that he was a sort of a more gentlemanly writer, a courtly writer. Um, not to say he didn't pan shows, he did. But he was known and is known for not being mean about it. He was known as a as a decent guy who uh, uh, was respectful of artists. I don't think people ever said that about Cassidy. Um, so that, so they were, they were and different. And he was a theater lover. And he was a theater yeah. lover. And I don't think people said that about Cassidy either. Although I think she was. Um, and then there were, then of course, that Christensen very specifically championed some of the the, the emerging off loop movement, which Cassidy did not. Now, in fairness to Cassidy, he wasn't really around in her in the days when she would have done that. Um, and, and Cassidy was also a music critic, so a lot of her time was spent at the Lyric and the CSO, whereas Richard was not. By that point, the Tribune had a different classical music critic, so Richard was more specifically about theatre, so that gave him more nights to go yeah, see. Yeah, I don't know stuff. how she could have covered all three, even in that era. No, well, she went to a selective amount of theatre. Um, Christensen went to a far broader amount, but he also loved it greatly, and he went almost every night, as do I. And uh, he... Um, you know that made that made it what it is. I mean, and, and he his influence is famous. You know, without it, he created made stars out of any number of people. He made without him, it's hard to imagine Steppenwolf would have gone from Harlem Park to downtown. David was, Mamet. David Mamet. I mean, the list is Billy Peterson. Yeah, the list is long. You have a quote in your book that I, that I'd like to share because I think it, it it sums up Richard Christensen. When he loved the show, he had a knack of writing in such a way that sent people to the theater. Correct. That should be what they call the money review. And, um, right. No, he, he did do that. He knew um, 
He had the ability, which not everybody has, the ability to, when he really, really loved something, he would herald it in a way that would motivate people to go. And that, and of course, that if you're the producer, that was a great, that was a great thing. And there was something about a sort of personal passion in the way that he did that that made him a sort of beloved figure in Chicago theater. And he. He was a, he was a journalist of the old school, so rarely did he do what what I I know you do and I do sometimes and a lot of us do is uh, yeah. put himself in the reviews, except for one. You hit you, you. Well, there's the famous yeah, there's a very famous story um, known throughout Chicago theater lore as the pullover review, which is where he he was on his way back from in the belly of the beast, starring William Peterson at Remains Theater and. In the review, he talks about being so overcome with his emotions, he had to pull over to the side of the road, um, at which point, you know, one actor would say to the other, did he like the show? And they'd say, the actor would say, yeah. And the other, then the first actor would say, yeah, but did he pull over? It became like the <laughs> ultimate compliment. But it was rare for Richard, and indeed for Claudia Cassidy, to put themselves in a review. Now, you know, there's still some critics are more personal than others, but sometimes people, when I've done talks about the book, have asked me how criticism has changed. And certainly, one of the ways it's changed is the sort of a new informality, if you like, that we tend to write about our own lives more. I do. I know I do. I did last night. Yes, you did. You know, it was beautiful. Uh, thank you. And I, 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 I can't help that. And, it, and I think people now in this era, that's what they really respond to. The previous eras, you know, the writers were often more detached or more. And there's an I always have seen the argument for that that well, that's you, the old you, school you get out of the, exactly you yeah. get out of the way and you let the thing you're reviewing do the talking. And they were both brilliant at that. And I don't think it's true to say that they didn't provide glimpses into themselves because if you look closely at some of the writing, they did occasionally. But you had to read between the lines, you know. But um, but criticism has become less formal over the years. But don't you think that's a good thing? Uh, some of the young reviewers that I've had write for me, I always tell them, don't be afraid to put yourself into it. Yeah. Don't be afraid to say, maybe I'm young, I haven't right. seen enough shows, but right. it kind of makes you bulletproof. It also gives you a, a, an honesty and, and people understand where you're coming yeah, from. Like I, I always say up front, I don't really like rock musicals too much. Some of the screaming holler, it's just, I'm old fashioned, I guess. But I say that up front. But that doesn't mean I haven't recommended those because right. sometimes there's an audience for right. if it's a quality production. Right. Right. Don't you think that's valid? Yeah, I, I think that now people, well, it's just a change in the world. Tom, people want to get to know the person writing now. They before they were much more pronouncing from the mountaintop. We can't do that anymore. There's too much competition out there, frankly. It's not the only review. You know, back in the day, you didn't have a proliferation of critics. I mean, there were. Uh, there, I get. Well, I guess that's not. I, I take that back because there were a lot of newspapers. They were just in different. There was always a lot of critics. They were just in different forms. But I think now it's become in journalism in general that some sort of emotional relationship with your readership has become more crucial. Yeah, and and I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think people do respond to that. Because uh, when they get to know, like, I'm sure they get to know what you like and don't like, or they guess. Right. And of course, we always throw them a curveball every once in a while. Right. We, we end up liking something that we're not supposed to, I right. guess. But, right. But that's part of the honesty. Right. And let me compliment you on the book, uh, the honesty. You weren't afraid to, to rip the Tribune or to rip some of the past critics for, for well, some I, of the things know, they did. 
as, as you know, and I include myself in my mistakes in that too, to some degree. I think. You know, has the paper been perfect in its coverage of Chicago theatre? No. It's reflected biases that have changed over the years. It's, um, you know, when they went after Odette's and they, yeah, uh, the, I mean, the, left. the sort of red scare stuff yeah. that was going on in the 30s. And also, you know, there's a lot of shows that took place in this city that were not reviewed by the Tribune. You know, um, because, you know, one of the decisions that gets made is what do we cover, right? It's very difficult to do to decide because everybody wants a review but at different points different sorts of decisions have been made I mean for example you could see there was very important African-American theatre here in the 40s that you can barely find mention of in the Tribune rarely did those critics go to the south side to see a show um, and that changed but nonetheless there's another story in that which was not reviewed yeah sense. yeah that yeah. well there's a there's another topic for you for another book. Yeah. I don't know how I would write that one, but yes. <laughs> well, indirect research. Yeah. yeah. You have to get it while those people are still alive. Yeah. Because we, we now cover pretty much everything. Do we? Well, yeah. I mean, we. Uh, there's still things we miss. You know, there's still shows or actors who become famous or... Uh, you know, I mean, the Tribune didn't really review the first night of Second City because who knew what the heck it was, right? So there's like a two-line mention. By the second show, we caught on, and there's a good review. But the first show, not really. But that's because it wasn't a big deal. It was just another little cabaret theater. There were many of them. Yeah, that's true. Nobody knew who any of those people were at that point. But boy, they jumped on the bandwagon and... Did, did Claudia like them? It was sort of after Claudia's yeah. era, yeah. She was around, but yeah. she it was reviewed mostly by a guy called Will Leonard. Yeah, Will Leonard. Who um, was mostly a cabaret reviewer. But he, he Back when Chicago had a big cabaret scene. Now it's uh, it's more of the improv scene. Exactly, yeah. So what, what are you hoping people get out of your book? Well, I'm hoping that you can see... Um, I'm hoping it's a picture for people of the changes in the city that most people who live here love, as reflected through the culture of the city, like what people went to see when they weren't working, and what that teaches us about how Chicago changed. It's growth, it's changing in sophistication, it's relationship to New York, it's insecurities. The theater it becomes a way of a window into the soul of Chicago. That's you, the thing I wanted about it. Well, you covered that so well with the commentary after oh, well, each thank one. You. That yeah. was the most important thing to me. I didn't want it just to be a bunch of old reviews that were fun to read, but that would actually weave a story of what the city, how the city had changed. And and it, you know, the theater has always been a big deal here. We forget that too. People think it's a new thing. It's not been. It's been. Chicago's been a, a theater's been important in Chicago as long as there has been Chicago. Yeah, I mean, from your first Joseph Jefferson and that right. the first review of Rip, Rip right. Van Winkle, right? Which that, by the way, was a terrific piece of writing. For Amazing, theater, wasn't and, it? And there's also um, the other thing I wanted to showcase again, particularly with Claudia Cassidy, but not just her, but it was just the quality of the writing that went on in this city very early in the city's history. And much of that writing, I would say, 95 percent of what's in my book hasn't really been read since it was first published. Wow. So, you know, there are things in there that are just lost or forgotten. And, and I think, particularly, again, I, I, I hope it gets read outside Chicago. I think it is a little bit, at least. And I think that um, that, you know, it, 
to some degree you want to say to people, okay, this was what people were writing, that, that there were some great critics in Chicago very early on in that, you know, the critics of the heartland, if you like, or critics on the frontier, that kind of thing. Well, you certainly captured that, and, and I think that your book uh, not only is a, is a great read for anybody interested in theater, for anyone interested in the history of Chicago, it's a, it's a read. Thank you, Tom. And it should be a textbook in every college right. that, that, teaches any, <laughs> that teaches theater. And I have a, I had a, a quote I just couldn't resist putting in uh, from my review that's on Chicago Critic was, this book should be required reading before anyone writes another the review. All right, thank you, Tom. And I and I really mean that. I, you know, it, you learn so much. You learn that that good writing is so important. Yeah, exactly. Whatever you're reviewing, and and this city, from its earliest days, has housed some great writers. And you know, it's part of this legacy of Chicago. Of Chicago, it's the, the it's a writer's town, and it, it's just so great to immerse yourself in those writers. And with good writing and and with good reporting, you can really make a difference. Exactly. I mean, take you personally. Well, it's uh, uh, with with, uh, with David Cromer's show. Well, you know, it's sometimes you've got to get people to the theater because it's a hard. You know, people are busy, and there's a, there's always been a role here for letting people know what what goes on. And you know, it can be a bit of a grind sometimes to go night after night looking all the time for that one show. That but isn't it fun when all of a sudden you yeah? But you, that's why you have to go to. You got to kiss a lot of frogs, Tom. Yeah, that's Meet true. Meet the handsome friends. But what you did with uh, with David Cromer's show, uh, uh, Our Town, tell us about. Well, that. that was kind of the greatest, one of the greatest shows I've ever seen in Chicago. And I, I, you know, I remember that night not really wanting to go. I was like, I'm in the Our Town. It's in a basement. Who could be bothered? And then 15 minutes in, I thought it was the most incredible right. show I'd ever seen. And, and you know, and it, it, it's just a great August Osage County was another one of those. There are just some shows. Iceman Cometh, although a little flawed in some ways was still an amazing event but I thought I thought Iceman Cometh was one of your personally one of your best written reviews well thank you yeah. I mean I ended the book with it because yeah. I thought the reason I did was that somebody said this I don't know who it was frankly it wasn't me somebody said along the lines of this is the greatest ensemble of Chicago actors this is the, the there are more this is the ultimate um manifestation of Chicago acting because there was more of them in one show than ever before doing you know working at a really high level I thought okay that's the perfect end yeah I've got to end somewhere and yeah, and, it, and it, it certainly was it, and how amazing it was that they were almost all on stage the entire right. five hours that's right and not one time did they upstage any of the others it was a true ensemble wasn't it? which yeah. is a great you know a great part well that's what Brian Denny told me uh, at the reception afterwards like one in the morning <laughs> We were all eating. He, he said it's, it's one of the best ensembles he's ever been with. So that was a great way of ending the book. Uh, how long did it take you to do the book? Took, I wrote it in the middle of the night mostly, so it took me about a year to do. A year? Yeah. How, including the research? Yeah, pretty much. I, from about pretty, That's uh, maybe pretty a little, fast. Maybe a little longer than that, but not much. Wow. I tried to do a bit of, you know, it's one of those. I'm a journalist, so I, I do better in small... But You're also an academic too. Yeah, I, 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 I guess I have that side of me, but I, I, I still write better a little bit each day. So I try to, I try to write like three pages a day, sort of thing, and that's kind of a four page, five pages a day maybe. And so that was my other mantra was just, you know, and the structure of the book because it was chronological let me do that. Right, it was not that. But yeah, it was a lot of work. I was glad to have it done, but I'm also glad to have done it because, you know. 
This was your idea, and this wasn't, yeah. wasn't something from the Tribune? No. Okay. No, although the Tribune was kind enough to give me the rights to the reviews, which they didn't have to do. I mean, this, they own the reviews, and they let me have them for this book, which is very nice of them. So I appreciated that. Did you get any f- feedback from them? They're <laughs> like, the no, I think they like yeah. it. They, they're happy. To, it's caused a lot. It, it really celebrates the history of this newspaper. But and, that, uh, so that I think took some hoot to, to write yeah. that, because what, what if in your research, I mean, you're an honest guy, what if in your research, it, you know, it ended up being a, a, a real bad attack on them? Well, I think <laughs> that they knew, you know, I think it's an, they wanted and they were, they were okay with an honest appraisal of, and I think, you know, the papers are change over, over time. They're influenced by the people who run them, the policies of, you know, in a city like this newspaper has been through so much. And, um, but at the end of the day, it's always come out every day. So you know that's the that's the thing. At the end of the day, it's there, and it's always been there. Always been watching what's been going on. Well, that speaks so a the, lot to the uh, uh, to the maturity of the of the Tribune because uh, I had a couple of people ask me they haven't read the book, and I said, "Go read the book." They said, "Well, is it you know are you making a like an apology or, or, or is it a hype hype the Tribune right. book?" And I, it is not that. No, at all. I didn't want that. No, and you and you didn't do that, and you're to be congratulated Thank you. for that. So don't, folks, don't. It's the Tribune because they were the major player who did the. Well, they were the, they were the only one who were there for the whole time. That's the, that was my rationale more than anything. It was the only paper that was there at the start and is still there. All right. Last question. Yeah. What what general advice would you give to young reviewers today in this changing world? Well, you know, my first advice is always start writing and get reviewing, and, uh, and so that's number one. I think you know you've got to know the history of what you're writing about. Maybe this book is a little bit of a contribution to that. Certainly, one of many. Um, Richard Christensen's book. Christensen's book. Harvey Young has a great new book out about African American theater in Chicago. It's a fantastic book. Um, we're now beginning to see people write books about the history of Chicago theater, which is great because there weren't any for a long time. And I think, you know, write about what's most important to you. That's always been my mantra. I come home from a show I did last night, and you sort of, I started writing about what's in the, what I'm feeling, and write the truth as you see it, and write honestly, and start with what's most important. That's my number one advice. That, 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 that is great advice. All right, thanks, Tom. All right, one Appreciate last it. question. I had the, I didn't, what is your favorite review in the book? No, well, it's not. I know it's a my tough favorite question. piece in the book, okay. I feel, and I answer very easily, which is Claudia Cassidy's retirement. We call it the So Long Suckers piece, and the, <laughs> the last thing she wrote about Tennessee Williams. That is, it's about him, and I think it's really about Claudia as much as it's about Tennessee Williams. It's an incredibly beautiful piece. Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah that, they're the greatest piece of theatrical writing ever written in Chicago, I would say. I would submit. That's my favorite, without question. And you already said that your favorite of your reviews is the the, one, the David Cromer review of yeah, Town. Yeah, that's probably true. But I, it's not anywhere near that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, but she was she was the best. And, and that, that's, that is great. Maybe someday somebody ought to write a play about her. What do you think? Yeah, or a memory should make a great movie. Yeah, make a movie. Yeah, it would. Well, Chris, thank you very thank much, you, folks. Make sure you get get a hold of the book. It's bigger, brighter, louder. 150 years of Chicago theater as seen by the Chicago Tribune critics. And Chris Jones has done a great job with it. And, and it should be uh, a top Christmas present this year. Thank you, Tom. Thanks, Chris. Bye-bye.